I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Nero Show, your unfiltered cycling chat. Hopefully the chat you guys are having in your bunches and on your rides. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the vegan cyclist. Bicarb loading is back. Bram Cannondale release new gear. Jesse is very concerned about rim depth. And Escape Collective born out of the ashes of cycling tips. What do we think? All right, let's get into it. Been a big week on YouTube, especially in the cycling space. JC, what has come across your desk this week? Vegan cyclist. I was in his social media funnel. Jeez, he's nailed it. So this is, let me take you down the garden path. So on Instagram, I see this reel. Now, I don't actually follow vegan cyclists on anything. Instagram just showed me this reel, which is good for him. It means it's working. And it's of that it's on 2.4 million views. It's of that crash in the gravel race he did where they're all bombing down this hill and suddenly it's like, oh, the course goes off here and they all stack on top of each other. Thought that was interesting. Didn't really know what it was. Then I go on YouTube. What's in my homepage? Rock Cobbler race review vegan video. So he has sold me on gravel racing. So I watched the whole thing, a 40-minute race recap video from someone's gravel race. I watched it, which is unheard of. Great footage like the colors of it, just the way it looked was was really well filmed. And yeah, I, I want to chat about it. I, and I want to chat about Vegan because he's a, he's a bit of a character, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's out there. He's, he's, he is what he is on camera. The, the, it's interesting what you said about the, it looked cool, it looked good. It's like the, uh, it's like the eternal like challenge, especially for someone like him because he's competitive, right? He, he actually wants to do really well. He would like to win that probably more than get lots and lots of views. He's just that sort of guy. Mm. And so that thing comes back to this whole thing of how do you film it? Because the reality is, I, and, I, and I definitely feel this as well, that like filming these things, if you're in an active race, does like diminish your chances of winning. So what he does is he has, he normally has two or three GoPros, which, which is already like a shit show to try and carry. And he'll do crazy things, right? Like, so he will, he'll be in like a really tough part of the race and he will have like his GoPro in his mouth mount. So he's got that bike, that bite mount. <laughs> and like, I've seen, I've seen, I've talked to him a number of times about this and he's like on the rivet, like full redlining. And he's got a frigging GoPro in his mouth trying to do this. <laughs> the footage looks sick. That's what, that's what I think I'm right in saying that's, where that footage came from yeah. was it was in the mouth. It is because you can't tell. Like, it looks like a chest mount because you can see his hands, but it's moving around. Yep. 
and it's not on his head. And then you can hear because he's throughout the, co- the video, he's like shouting at people on the course, and it's like, I'm like, oh, what are you doing, bro? So he's, the other thing he does is he's got it in the mouth, and he then he then clips, takes it out of his mouth, and he can clip it onto his helmet, or he can clip it onto his bars. And he's got and GoPro being GoPro, like we've shat on them here many times, and so he's got to have carry backups because you know what's going to happen half the time. So the guy is like legitimately racing at the top end and carrying all this stuff. I just it's just massive, massive kudos. And if you're an event organizer and you're getting vegan to come to your race, you should give him like a two minute like cutoff or something <laughs> on his time because he's bringing people to your race and he's shooting this stuff. So I've, I've never really watched a video and, and wanted to travel to a race, but this, I, I want to do this race now. So the course, let's just go to the, speak about the race for a bit. So the course, right? It's like the Wild West it, where the course is like a bit, little bits of spray paint on the road, but you kind of like can take your own way. And then at one point, vegans like, I'm pretty sure that guy like cut the course, which it totally could because it's not really defined. At one point, they're riding, someone's opened their house and they're riding through the guy's house. Like what? It's, it's, and then they're on grass through like pastures and rocky thing. And then, then he's going down this descent, which looks like a slide at a theme park. It's, I have never seen anything with that variety of terrain. It's that kind of lawlessness and unstructured nature that I, I, I find interesting. I, I'd, I'd be keen to do it. Probably not to go there to, to race it like i that looks shit scary to race to be fully sending it on but to go there and just do it as a fun day looks sick and and as well that would come into the equipment right and this is one of the things about vegan that i was i was actually laughing out loud pissing myself okay you've got a guy who is on one hand super prepared like he's chatting through his his canyon he's like i've got the I, I went with the, fifth, uh, the 30 mil dropper post, but I could have gone the 50 mil and I've got these tires and I've never gotten a flat and this gearing for this and that and this. And then he's commentating through the thing, but he's got no clue. He's like the most switched on Hubbard who has all this information and still no clue. So at one stage, his, ch- his chain comes off and he spends this whole section sort of riding and the chain comes off and, cu- and then he's sort of putting it back on and it, and it won't stay on. I'm, it's just, it's it's actually hilarious the way he's commentating through it it's it's a he's got a very unique <laughs> personality and that's that's literally him like right. he is he is i think you put it there like he is the most organized battler <laughs> yeah. i've ever met <laughs> like every duck's in a line like his socks will be you know he won't have the he won't stuff up like chris and have his socks not matching it'll all be sort of perfect but he will forget a canister and then not be able to like I did a couple obviously a couple of rides with him one of the rides like now this is partly my fault as well but like I borrowed his bike so I didn't know what we had with us we went into onto this like 100 mile we're in the middle of friggin' nowhere absolute nowhere he's carried no spares he's carried absolutely no spares and he gets a flat and eventually we kind of bail have to bail there's no there's no um uh, coverage or anything so we're standing on the side of the road for two hours waiting for some random dude in a pickup truck to come and pick him up <laughs> and he's just like oh man this sucks this was such a dude right and i'm like this yeah this is you isn't it it's so cool and he's probably like he's probably had 100 grams of carbs an hour he's, yeah. he's, he's loaded his ketones he's 
fucking yeah. good to go and then yeah. it's just like yeah. it falls apart at what it's 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 fine it was funny the video like really funny the videos work but but not only that like i reckon the sort of gravel randomness of those events just suit his style do you know what i mean like if it was a road race where you know the brake goes and then he's trying to work with sort of some other people to bring some people across like that's not his personality i almost think like this gravel racing type stuff is just designed for his narrative <laughs> being like the absolute battler just getting it done but making it making us laugh Okay, when we we're nice, we are nice to you, Tyler. We're laughing, we're laughing with you, but we're also kind of laughing at you because that's your personality. Does that mean it's made you want to do a gravel race this year, Jesse? Is that what I'm reading between? Yeah, the like I, I'm kind of like again, not to race it, but to do the setup he had, where he had the super wide tires and the easy gearing the tyres that he's never flat on and to go there and just ride it. Because the thing that's always put me off doing a gravel race, I'm like, I know I'm going to rock up and drive there in accommodation. I'm going to get six flats. I'm just not interested. No thanks. But to go up there with essentially, you know, what he had, which was pretty much a mountain bike with drop bars and just ride it for fun, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea. It looked fun the way he... Yeah, his ride looked fun. I want to do that ride. Yeah. So we're... I'll put the feelers out to uh, Unbound this year, so we can get oh, no. JC on the start list. <laughs> so, no, so yeah, but that's like Unbound. I'm like, it's just like shaly, sharp rock with nothing going on. Doesn't really do it for Doesn't me. Interest you? Not quite the same as the Rock Cobbler, or I think it was called where he was at. Yeah, but good. Yeah, to hold me watching 40 minutes of gravel racing footage. It's uh, yeah, he's done well. While we're talking a little bit about YouTube. Do you want to just talk about this Oz Cycling fella who popped up on your feed? Uh, I must admit it's, it's not something that I'm... I'll, I'll just keep it quick. I was almost going to just bring this up at the end, but I'll do it now. Um, sm- oh, we don't have to. Then. No, I'll do it now. Medium-sized Australian YouTube channel, Oz Cycle. Some of you have probably seen his videos. He does sort of like big on the wax chain stuff. So he actually was in 2021, got charged with... Uh, killing his neighbor's dog. Basically, the dog was barking for an extended period of time. He stole the dog, took it to an abandoned lot near his house and bashed it to within an inch of its life and came back five days later to finish the job. And he went to jail for that and he is now out of jail. I think he's on probation. And I, I just... I'm only bringing it up because his, he uploaded a new video and that video... I don't subscribe to his channel. That video came into my home feed. And I... I don't someone actually and someone actually sent me the video and was like because I did a wax chain thing was like oh look at this video I'm like please I personally don't think anyone should be watching his videos I also don't people might say well he's done his time blah 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 I don't see any place in the YouTube cycling community for someone who's bashed a dog to death so if you subscribe to Oz Cycles channel I would recommend unsubscribing if it comes up in your home feed, just click the do not recommend channel or not interested and hopefully he just slowly gets less and less views and goes away because I don't want his videos. So that's pretty much the week in YouTube, guys. Let us know down below. Let us know what gravel races Jesse Coyle should add to his 2023 calendar. The Nero Show tech update, super in-depth analysis. Um, the classics weekend, first weekend, Omloop and Kern, S5. S5 with SRAM, 
I'm on board. I warned you. I warned you, everyone. He was going to be insufferable. It's the best bike that's ever existed. But the thing, let's let's be serious here. The thing that is kind of interesting is 40 mil wheels. All of the Yumbo Visma guys are on 40 mil wheels. I think previous years, everyone's 50s or 60s for the classics. They're all running 40s, which we did flag a couple of weeks ago. I think probably with the tire tech and then the wheels so it can be just as aero if you have a good matched up front tire to the to the rim width so interesting just seeing all of jumbo visma running 40s it is it definitely is my, my only take on it was potentially that some of these shallower rim depths were now running wider internal rims allowing them to run the wider tires i know in the past some of those shallower rims had been narrower so you're only really getting away with 25s now you can easily get a 21 mil uh, internal on some of those on some of those especially the in-house brands i think that's the kind of big take at the moment is the the in-house wheel brands are, are sort of taking over in that space sort of less room for the the well the the one-off wheel manufacturer there's a bit more control too because i got well we got the s5 let's just design an aero as heck 40 mil wheel that's gets the bike on the weight limit close to it it's just as aero. Yeah, I mean, you see it with Kadex and the and the Giant. So yeah, that's that's definitely coming up. Um, little tech update, of course, was so we got some releases that popped up. Uh, Shram's new Force Axis, which is it really an update? Um, look, Shram sort of admit this themselves. They've kind of said that they've updated Force to make it look cooler because people weren't putting Force on you know, their Dogma Fs because it didn't look good enough. And it did. It was grey, it It was clunky, uh, and they've basically just put a bit of glitter on it. And it kind of looks cool, though the power meter thing's a bit of a stitch, isn't it? Yeah, they've gone the same route as the SRAM Red Axis where the chain ring, if you buy a power meter, it has the chain rings integrated, which they last a very long time, so I'm not sort of crying foul too much on it. But... There's just something that gives me the ick that if the power meter stops working or you do end up wanting to change chain rings, that kind of whole thing's going in the bin, which is a bit bit rough. Can't really get my head around. It was separate before on SRAM Force. So not a massive fan of that, but you know, I think SRAM Force is pretty popular and now it, it just looks cooler. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, and cool. that's it. That's exactly it, JC. It's like you you convinced me, well, the people convinced me because everyone came back and shouted at me. And said that, yeah, SRAM is cooler. It's the cooler group set. So they've just leaned into that and gone, well, right, we'll put glitter on our group set and make it look even flashier and everyone will be happy. And now that your mob are winning bike races on it, they're all going to be super, super happy with it. So quick question without notice. Have Yumbo, have SRAM already got back their investment? Oh, four times over. Yeah. I mean, look, you've got Vingegaard tailing up. You've got the classics getting one. I mean... Look, we, we kind of took the piss when we chatted when it was released that SRAM were going to go and, and be ridden by Yumbo Visma. And we we're saying, oh, they're getting paid $2 million and $20 million and, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek. But it's like it's serious. So it's like you see some of these photos and watching these guys win and they're superheroes. And they it would be moving the needle massively for, for sales for SRAM, surely. Like it's it's hard to under, understate. Even I'm, I want an S5 with SRAM now. And I feel like I'm quite resistant to the the forces that be it's high risk high reward though like if if wout drops his chain on the eau de Quermont, like that's it yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like they're, they're gonna get incremental benefits from this but one bulk of 
Volker Molimer, you know, Dajiti Sram moment and it's all up in smoke. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm watching. But, I uh, don't think it's going to happen with Jumbo Visma, though. Yeah. I think they've just got everything so dialed. They'll have it all set up well. You, I just, you, oh, they're yeah, so dialed. They're so in hell. They're they so, are. Just they are. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're not gonna, we're not going to see any issues. I'm calling it. It's, it. That's it. Sorry, the most sponsored, least sponsored show in the history of podcasts at this point. A little bit of tech. Uh, finally, Cannondale Super 6 Evo, the worst kept secret in all of Bikes. They release uh, the, the it's new hard to remember. bike. What do they call it? It's a, the Lab Seventy One. Lab Seventy One. Okay. Right. So, yeah, it, it's a factor Ostrovam. I mean, just look at it. Um, but we've got some special carbon weave, Jesse. Special yes. carbon weave. In fact, we've got three different tiers of of weave. And you know, the best thing about selling weave is we don't. We, we can't see the difference. Oh, actually, no, you can see the difference. They make the pattern of the, the carbon look different on the outside. So that makes it go faster. And apart from that, 40 grams lighter than the high mod, which is now not high mod. It's just, I suppose, mod. So how's it working? They've got regular. They've got the high mod, which used to be their top. And now they've got the, the Lab 71, which is the S-Works equivalent frame. Yep. The thing is, I'm a weave guy. I am on board for WeaveTech. The only thing is, <laughs> that's just because I'm a fan of it. I, I, the thing is, I don't know how much of a difference it actually makes. And, and that's the thing is like, the only thing you can prove with the, the high mod T12,000 layups is that they're lighter, right? So you can kind of just weigh the frames and all right, 40 grams lighter and then it's 100 grams lighter than the, the base one. Besides that, how are you actually going to know if it's stiffer or if it's more vertically compliant? It's a bit of a black box. The It's a higher rated weave. And I don't know. Are you on board? Are you, are you, so are you I'm, I'm, Okay, so here's the thing. I, I totally agree in the sense that, you know, it, it becomes this, like, I've got to stop using this word, but like this kind of rabbit hole of like how many, how many different tiers of weave are we going to invent to, for the consumer because, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to tell. But I will say I believe in weave. Like I do genuinely think, like, for example, like the Time bikes, the, back in the day, the Time bike that I rode, like that that was a hand-weaved uh, bike and you could tell a difference. It was a really, really beautiful bike to ride. So if there is that level of detail in the difference, then I do, I do think there is something in it. But I'm... Again, I come back to the I've been in the factories. Do I think that there's that level of sort of um, manufacturing happening at these top level bikes? I would be far more skeptical of that. Um, interestingly, I know Factor are going to do something similar with their Factor Ostro Vam. Is they're going to do an in-house Factor built in Taiwan? One, I know Cervelo ah. used to do it, remember, with the California project. Yeah, It yeah. kind of comes this thing, right, that mm. you, you create the top tier one um, in limited qualities, quantities. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So you're saying they're, like, you know, bringing up the time. The thing is, like, that's, like, a different manufacturer. So that's where I'm on board with Weave in terms of, like, I've ridden bikes that, you know, the Cervelo S5, for example, where it actually rides really well, even though it doesn't look like it because they're doing something well with the leave. The bit that I, I'm i a bit questioning is from the same uh, manufacturer, from the same frame, how much is the leveling up to the higher modulus making? That's where I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if it carries through to that. 
if we're just going to keep the new product bandwagon rolling, sports nutrition, new sports nutrition product, which is big news in sports nutrition because it's not often you get a, a, an actual new product. And it's Morton have released a bicarbonate product. Uh, it's been tested by Jumbo Visma for a few years. And finally, recent. so what it is, is it's a, it's a bicarb soup. I know, you're dying to taste it. So bicarbonate essentially helps uh, lower the acidity of the blood when you're exercising, which causes fatigue. So it's a sports supplement that's been around for years that works. The problem with it is you could imagine drinking straight bicarb isn't good for your guts. So people, there have been some people that try it and it doesn't get along with them. So you end up back at square one. So it's been a, a proven sports supplement that works, but doesn't agree for some people. So Morton had come along and, and actually done some pretty good work to say, okay, we got this supplement that works. How can we make a delivery system that agrees more with people? And what it is, is a bicarb soup that you eat two to three hours before you exercise. And what it is, is they've taken the bicarb and encapsulated it in their uh, hydrogel thing, which is what they use for their, for their gel. So it's basically little bicarb, from what I can tell, little bicarb beads that you mix uh in a bowl and then you eat sort of this like chia pudding but it's bicarb beads and that just helps it go straight through your stomach and then it's released a little bit uh delayed down the digestive tract and that way in theory it's a lot easier on your stomach now reason why this was also kind of interesting so that's cool in and of itself it's pretty expensive though i think it's like 50 or 60 euros for four servings so you know that's that's pretty exy um but the other thing is, it's kind of interesting those these these supplements kind of come around in circles. Like bicarb's been around for ages, but you kind of just you kind of forget about them because you're focusing on other stuff. You've got your whoop and you're focusing on your training, and then meanwhile, there's been this supplement here that really does work. I mean, it's not huge improvement, but you know, one or two percent, and you just sort of forget it exists. But it has been used. So the other person who's big on the bicarb train recently is Luke Plapp. So he mentioned in a Lantern Rouge interview. In that, you remember that rainy Catalonia stage last year where he ripped it up the first climb, split the field, dragged Carapaz with him, and Carapaz went on and ended up winning the stage. So he loaded bicarb for that stage, did this one off effort, didn't even finish the stage. And then also at UAE tour before the Jebel um, Hafeet stage, I've been doing some, some sleuthing on Twitter, photo of Plap on the stage. And if you zoom, I'll send you this photo, if you zoom right in, in his back pocket, on the top of his bottle says bicarb. So mid-stage, Plap's drinking bicarb bottles in the run into to the final stage. So the supplements have been being used. I, I don't think he's using any proprietary sort of product like the Morton. I'd say he's just using straight bicarb and for whatever reason, it, it, it works with him, with his guts, which is cool. But yeah, bicarb resurgence, making a comeback. Dangers of a Tom DeMoulin moment, surely. Yeah. Jesus. Well... Was he? I mean, he could have been using bicarb when that happened. That is That's totally. True. He maybe yeah, yeah. he loaded it and took a bit too much and <laughs> got the squirts. A, bi a bicarb <laughs> moment in the heat in the desert. That would be. There's no trees to hide behind there, would oh, there be? No. Yeah. Okay. Got behind a camel. But I mean, I suppose the thing with that, like, it works. I mean, we know that bicarb, as you said, is is a supplement that that works. It's 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 legal. I've heard of guys racing division threes division four local stuff here even even trying it so 
it, it definitely does get around. Um, what I'd probably say is before, if anyone's thinking, oh, that sounds good, I want to try bicarb, I'd say don't buy the Morton product straight away and just try the baking soda from your, uh, from your kitchen cupboard first because it, it, it might work for you and then you're saving yourself a lot of money and it does the exact same thing. So try that first. If that doesn't work and you still want to try to get the benefits, then yeah, Morton could be good um, to help that. And if we, I'll send Chris a link. If you want to use bicarb, that Australian Institute of Sport has a really good fact sheet that lays out exactly what you need to do. It's not a secret source stuff. Okay, so that's our roundup of what has been coming out over the last week. Let us know down below your thoughts, uh, anything in there that has interested you. We had a chat last week, Jesse, about saving money on the bike. And we got some lots of interesting comments from people, suggestions. And one of them, which I think is unacceptable, is used kit. So people were selling, trying to tell me that buying used kit, there's lots of platforms out there. I think Facebook does one where you buy used kit from people. Now, okay, the jerseys, I'll live with that. There's no particular issue with that. However, where do you stand on putting your junk next to where someone else has been putting their junk, sweating up, stinking it down? May have, may have, yep, had some moments every now and again. Where do you stand on this? I can live with it. I can, I could, now look, I'll say, I've never bought a pair of used bib shorts, so let me put that out there, but I probably could. I, I, it doesn't necessarily put me off. You buy them, put them through a couple of washes, do your Dettol antibacterial drops in the wash, I, I I could I could go for it, especially if they're a good pair. Like a good pair of bib shorts are like three, even three fifty, four hundred Australian dollars. If they've only been worn a couple of times, mentally I could live with it. I could get over it. Putting aside emergency situations where we're we're in a foreign country where we, there's no lycra available, there is no circumstance that. There's no bike ride that warrants this happening. There's so much going on in that chamois. There's so much being stored in that chamois that's not coming out in just a standard old standard old wash. Now, okay, I'll admit I'm the kind of person who, and I can't, still can't believe people do this, that when they buy new uh, bib shorts, they don't wash them first. Guys, do you know what factories these are coming from? I never wash them. The slop fests, the the disgusting things that are going into that chamois, get a wash done. When you are when you buy a kit and that rocks up, that parcel rocks up at your door, I don't have 24 hours to wait to there. wash it. I want to put that thing on and go for a ride. I, I, I don't think I've ever pre-washed a new kit. The metallic Never. things that are sliding around in there. No, no, it's just it's just not acceptable. I'm I'm sorry. There's that is not a place to save money. There is though. They can be going cheap though, because most people probably in your ballpark and won't buy them. So if someone's selling a secondhand pair of Nicks, good price. Good price. Very good deal. The thing I wouldn't do, I don't get, is buying someone's used socks. <laughs> so socks aren't that expensive. So even though in theory that's less gross possibly because it's not on someone's taint it um, <laughs> it i don't get buying someone's used socks and that's people do sell their used cycling socks on marketplace i have seen it firsthand i have no issue no issue what no issue with that 
No, no, no. Buy no. you buy you go to Kmart. <laughs> you can buy socks. Look, if it's a good pair of socks, especially like those those nice you know, wrapper socks, I got no issue. You're just disagreeing with me for the yeah. sake of it. You've especially never... if they got a pattern yeah. on them. <laughs> me in there. Okay. Would you buy someone's used helmet if they didn't have the replaceable pads for it? Yes. Yes, Ooh. I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Look, if there's a lingering odour okay. on the helmet, then, yeah, you know, you can get into the same room as the helmet and you can already smell it, then sure, I, I think there's issues around there. Mm. But When helmets, you start sweating into that pad and it re-soaks and then that's dripping down your eyes and it's coming over your nose and it's on the upper lip, to me, that's... that's oof. The way I look at it is I have borrowed many a used helmet in my life i have been the guy who has forgotten a helmet to many a race in the in the day and one very recently actually and i had to borrow one from a ramwick botany club mate club member i should say shout thank you and he just raced and it was a sweaty mess it was disgusting in fact i'll find a photo <laughs> of it but no issues now if i'd forgotten my bib shorts and old mate was like oh here borrow mine that i've just <laughs> written in I can tell you right now, that's a no thank you. I'm not going to race today. So that's, that's just where I'm at with this stuff. Just quickly, um, gloves, no gloves. Gloves, pretty much every time. Yep. I'm, I'm back on gloves. So the only problem I have with wearing gloves is, this is what I don't like, when it's winter and then you've got arm warmer, patch of skin, glove. To me, that doesn't look very pro. It's the only place I, I go. So I put that on. I go, oh, it doesn't look that good having that gap. So I kind of struggle in winter. And I haven't found the perfect glove, like summer glove, that is both um, lasts and is quite functional. So I, I the, those Rafa Protein ones, the uh, thread on them seems to go too quickly. They're, they're, and they're super expensive as well. I haven't found one that actually just lasts and lasts and isn't, like a horrible like motorbike glove i run to, i have a race i either use the protein mitts for racing and have a training pair of gloves oh that brings up another thing how often do you wash your gloves so i'm an in the shower washer heard it here first okay yep you wash in the shower wash in the shower so i'll, right. I'll take normally just take them in to the shower with me bit of soap scrunch them up done hang them out every pretty much every oh, after no, most rides Currently, it's been super humid, so really, really sweaty. So, yeah, I'd probably do it most of those rides, definitely. I'm going to out myself. I, I need to wash my gloves more often. They, mine are like a once-a-month job for the training gloves, and they stink. They're gross. So, uh, yeah, I should probably – it's just you kind of t get home, take them off. They don't go in the laundry basket, so then I forget about them. And then every time I, I go for a ride, I'm like, yeah, these need a wash. And then I do the shower. See, but I, I'm also super, I'm super snotty. Like I'm just snotty 20, 12 months of the year. Yeah. I'm always. So, you know, I, if I go out with the gloves that have already got like friggin' snail stains all over them <laughs> shining at me, it's just it's not, just, not Just rub them, on your, rub them on your shorts. It's not It disintegrates all Got COVID on the bloody gloves. <laughs> all right, guys, let us know down below. Should you be saving money buying secondhand bib shorts? The answer, of course, is no. Uh, gloves, no gloves. Let us know <laughs> down below. Escape Collective has been announced, which is the new home of cycling media. Not my quote. That's their quote. How's it going to work? What do we think of it? Should I do a little backstory here? Please. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I will. So for those of you who don't know, uh, this Escape Media thing has basically come out of 
Well, I would say the ashes of cycling tips. What is cycling tips? Cycling tips was a, a website, a blog that started in 2008 by their founder, Wade Wallace, um, and really sort of ticked along like that until around 2015, I think, when it got some investment from Jerry Ryan and Bike Exchange, um, subsequently bought by Pink Bikes in 2019, I think, and Pink Bikes was then bought by Outside Media in 2021. The subscription model, I think, came in in around 2015, but essentially it's been... With their Velo Club, I yeah. think they called it. It's with like the, it's Velo Club. With their yeah. Velo Club. But look, uh, content creators uh, write, about, write about races, do tech reviews, do pieces. The Secret Pro was like, you know, must-read stuff for, for many years. Then late last year, uh, mass sackings across that, many of the older staff, the legacy staff were asked to move on and things went quiet and then that staff now have started this. I just, just on the cycling tips thing, I, I don't think we can underestimate. I mean, from a business point of view, that is a major success to be purchased by Bike Exchange, Jerry Ryan, and then acquired again. And then that business gets acquired again. There's lots of money that has been generated from that. Like they were a major player in the ad sales space in cycling. So just on that, I tried to do some research. I even asked Twitter for, for some information based on this. Um, I had some replies that they were getting investments of around three or $4 million um, at that particular time. Now got Escape Collective. The difference with this, is, so it's founded, co-founded by Kaylee Fretz, who was a journalist at Cycling Tips and Wade Wallace, the original founder of Cycling Tips. And the idea behind this Escape Collective is let's, they're not going to like me saying this, but let's do what Cycling Tips was originally. The beauty of cycling, it's really nice journalism, you know, that sort of thing. But let's just make it a subscription model, not advertising based. So you sign up for Escape Collective, they're taking investments now, one-off one off payments. And basically, we're going to be funded, funded solely through the audience, through the subscribers. The way that this Escape Collective has been released in the last 24 hours and the way it's being sold to the audience, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit. And it's a little bit of this idea where they're coming out and saying, we want to do things differently. We want to do things right. We're not going to be paid for by ads. We're going to be funded for by you. And I just, it seems to be brushing over the fact that this is started by the people who founded Cycling Tips, who built an audience, and then through their own decisions sold parts of the business, lost control of it, then lost the audience because the standards of the journalism dropped. And then ultimately, in a sort of a sad twist, that all the journalists lost their jobs. And then so to come around and in a way not really acknowledge past mistakes in the business decisions and sort of be like, well, we're starting this new thing and we're going to do things differently because we don't like, it was almost the wording of it was, we don't like the way the other media do it. You know, we're not going to be funded by ads. We're going to do things the right way. But it's kind of rich because you were all the shit way. You was you. That was you. You were the mainstream three years ago. You were the mainstream, mm. and now you're reinventing yourself and shitting on your prior self without really acknowledging the fact that you that you, that that's where you ended up. And it is a very very loyal following. And I think this is. I think this is potentially what is getting to the two of us, all right? And maybe it's coming from a different place, but I was kind of shocked. I, okay, to start with, I didn't care. 
I just didn't care about any of this until you forced me to get back onto Twitter. <laughs> and now I seemingly this is this is a thing that happens, right? This is what happens when you get back on Twitter. But I didn't realize because in my little world previous to this, I kind of thought cycling tips was this big ad revenue thing because I'd had some experience with them. Like even with Devel, we tried to get Devel um, reviewed by them and it cost almost $15,000 to get a review written by them where the guy rides the bike for four minutes and then gives a five, four out of five review. And it's just, I just thought, okay, well that's clearly that's the big sort of big market player in the whole space, you know, generating heaps of money from their capital investment and their advertising thing. So that's kind of what I thought was going on. I thought everyone knew that. I just thought everyone knew that they were just another magazine, right? And it's not until I get back on Twitter and I see that it's like, and this stuff starts happening with the guys that are getting sacked, that I'm like, oh, hang on. Like all these people are like absolute, like emotional about this happening to their journalists. Now, um, and that really surprised me. And again, kind of stepped away, didn't care too much. But it's not until this gets released and from the outside looking at it, I kind of feel like... Unintended. Yeah. (laughs) Looking at it. (laughs) that Okay, maybe they're not going in with the same... They've they've got the what they've learnt from the previous incarnation of this, but it feels to me a little bit like they're kind of just using and abusing their loyal followers. These, These people who are writing comments under their under their like tweets of like you know oh my god the the messiah is back like thank god you're here to to write informative reviews and all that kind of stuff which really shocked me Hmm. and so i think what we wanted to do here is just maybe have a a bit more of a discussion about and the other kind of thing is like okay cycling let's another devil's advocate way of of talking about this cycling tips the new people at Cycling Tips outside media, looked at the people who'd been there for 10 or 15 years and went, you know what, guys, we need a refresh. We need a new generation of people in here. We're going to get rid of you. And it's almost like any other corporate restructure that happened in the world in the last two years. And, and I did notice that recently Cycling Tips announced their new editors. They've got new content people coming in. Fresh blood, I don't know anything about them, but fresh blood of people coming in who would not have been given this opportunity given that these other people had been around for, for 10, 15 years. I think probably what people would say was though that, that you know, that, that people are really big fans of some of these 100%. journalists. So they'd say, well, you know, we don't want new people because we had journalists that we liked their content. Both of us reached out to, now that I've got to start caring about this stuff, you sort of reached out to people that you know who really like them and and I did the same and and both of us got the rea- reaction from people saying we don't really care Chris and Jesse about like all this other stuff that happened in the background we just want our journo to that we like to write our article that we like we do not care so you know i think that's yeah. kind of fair yeah maybe people yeah People probably don't. Yeah, if you're a fan, you just. I. I. And I mean, I'm a fan. I mean, out of all of them, the the one. I'll just to give him a shout out. I guess the the, the journal site was Ronan McLaughlin. Like really, actually unique tech articles, and he's just got an eye for spotting stuff which a lot of people don't have. So they they do have good talent there. Okay, that's all good and well, but are we are we just jealous? Like you know, <laughs> maybe we are. Maybe maybe we're green with envy. I mean, the only thing that I, the other thing as well is. It's not jealousy is the right term, but they have 
in my opinion, they've played a card with the audience that I, I don't think you should play. That playing on the emotions, that we really need your support, you know, we, we're, we're in a really bad place, you know, we need a job. I, I, I feel like just the rhetoric they've used is just a no-go for me. I mean, we could come out on this show and say, hey guys, we really need your donations. It's, it's a lot of effort to run this show. We need your help. We choose, you know, choose not to do that. And no one on YouTube chooses to do no. that. And that's, okay, I'm glad you said that because that's what irks me about the narrative that they try and tell. And it's not jealousy. It's just that it's almost like an unwritten rule that you don't play that card. I mean, how many, have, how many times have you seen Lantern Rouge get in his, get in his channel and, and say, guys, I, I really need you to donate down below? No, he, he's working with advertisers. He's very open about that and he does reads and that's how one of the ways he tries to bring money in. You know, same with, same with all the other creators on the space. I, I mean, I know someone's going to say, yeah, but they're starting a subscription model, so they need to ask for subscriptions. I get it. I, I, I get it. It's just the way it's worded. I mean, people won't get it. If you, you need to go on Twitter to kind of get the, the vibe of how this yeah, is going. I blame it really, you for this. Yeah. It really is a vibe thing, and we're probably, chances are we might not really be getting that point across. The people that are on Twitter will know kind of what we're, what we're getting at. And just... This is almost a separate topic, but it is kind of interesting because the other point here, which isn't really related to this, but just about the journalists sort of making their own money in particular, these guys have big followings. They've got cult followings. I don't understand why they need to attach like little fish on a whale to this media agency. If you're that good at your job and you've and you got that following, why don't you just do start a sub stack, start a YouTube channel, do your own thing, and everyone can just pay you directly and you can monetize other ways and make a living. I mean, why do you have to, why does it have to be always following this corporate thing that has done you wrong in the past? And like to one example of this, to give you one example, uh, Angry Asian on Instagram, James Wang did a few posts sort of- That um, actually is Twitter name, his Instagram name. Yeah, Angry Asian. All right. Yeah. I wasn't racist, it's his <laughs> Instagram <laughs> handle. Okay, um, Just, yeah, it's pretty harsh. <laughs> So he did a post where he, he's leaving the placeholders podcast and someone did a good comment that said, John T. Russell, you should start a new venture and join forces with the cycling YouTubers. Someone needs to create a new cycling media empire that's not hidden behind massive paywalls and yearly subscriptions. And his reply to that, and this goes to show the legacy media's take on things, not really interested in a video-only thing, YouTube is a dumpster fire. Well... No wonder you can't go and do your own thing when that's your attitude to content creation is, oh, I'm not touching that. Nah, I'm just going to write blogs. Like, I don't know. That, when, I, when I then see that, I'm like, you know, I'm not subscribing to you. I just, that rubs me up. Obviously, this is probably a chat that only ever happens on this, this show. And yeah, we will definitely have triggered some people, some of the loyal, loyal fans of these journos. Guys, don't. We're not hating on these people. We just wanted to give a little bit of a backstory as to how this came about. And I think we were pretty factually based. If we were wrong with some of the facts, definitely put them in the comments people down below. People will let us know. Oh, yes. We don't need will to definitely ask. let yes. us know. But there's going to be more people making content on the internet about cycling. So that is a good thing. And we'll know pretty soon whether this model works 
being a subscription-based system, I know that he's got quite a bit of capital investment to keep them going for a couple of months, but beyond that, it's going to be subscription-based. So, you know, whether content will be king. Content will be king. It will work. It won't work. <laughs> Quick fire round. All right, we'll finish up yeah. with what has been coming across our desk recently. Jesse, anything of note? Oh, well, aren't we glad that Strava have added Zwift videos to the feed? We've all wanted it. It's not good enough to have a screenshot from the game. We want to see the play-by-play avatar's leg spinning, and it's now possible. What's going to be so wonderful about this is I'll be able to scroll through my Zwift feed and hopefully all the videos autoplay because I love autoplay. And I'll just be scrolling down and I'll see some clown riding in Zwoptopia or whatever it is in their custom kit. It's just... Who asked? What 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 function what functionality meeting occurred at Strava where they all went? Do you know what would be good, lads? I got an idea. What is it, Steve? Video from Zwift. <laughs> Great idea. No, no. Wh- whoever whoever made that decision, no, don't don't do that. Please update other ends of your platform. More the community part of your platform, not this crap. You know, it's not as bad as the time they that Whoop did the every day it syncs to your Strava and tells you what your recovery score is. And then one, that one day when you opened your feed and it's everyone's Whoop scores. That was the old time worst low of low. To me, this is a close second seeing people's Swift videos. What about What about a functionality where you upload your video or your photo of your ride during the ride and it automatically stamps on that photo the metrics from your ride, okay? So on that, my thing that came across my desk was an app, a beta app called S-T-R-E-I-V. Or actually, it could even be Streve 4. I don't know, but Streve Ultimately, it's uh, an app that's taking iPhone video and overlaying Strava data from it. It's been pretty good for me. It's still very much a, a beta app, but seems pretty straightforward. Not sure whether it's taking GPS data or timestamp data, data to actually do the syncing. So uh, I'm not sure whether it works across different um, smartphones, different like media capturing devices like GoPros and things like that. But I reckon it's a really nice value add for your for your Instagram stories. Is yeah. there's there's JC doing his hard effort, you know, overlay a bit of you know music yes. to it. I like it because geez, if you did that before, you're like onto your laptop and then you're downloading the fit file and then you're going through Garmin Verb and it's a whole process. This makes it way quicker. It needs. I've tested it out for a little bit, a little clunky still. But man, if, if this if this is just like bang, it's in. 30 seconds later, it's overlaid. That That's a big, that'll be really good. The only problem I have is the quality of the video that comes out, especially if you're on, if you're on, you're on a nice iPhone 14 Pro job. You got HDR and it's super nice and then you process it through this thing and then it's like a potato. So I don't know. If it could maintain the HDR, then that's probably, yeah, that'd be nice, but. Good. I think it's a I good like starting it. point. I think I think it's a really good starting point. Last thing was I was sent a link to a fellow Japanese YouTuber who has a cycling shoe stiffness testing machine. It's a jig over there that he's testing. Uh, and to be fair, I asked for this 
because I kind of sat down and went, you know, we need a way to to get a metric on this stuff and, and old mate's done it. Um, no one's watching them, sadly, so get, <laughs> get, get over there and watch them. Uh, but I like it. I'm, I'm on board, which brings up the question, does stiffness matter, Jesse? <laughs> I don't always know the stiffer the better. Sometimes you don't want it fully stiff. A bit of flex and a bit of give can work. <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a misnomer of just like charting them and like, this is stiff. Oh no, this is st- oh this is stiff. And suddenly, I mean, you could make you just do super thick, the stiffest carbon weave you can get, and you know won't flex at all. But does that make it a good shoe? I don't know. Kind of a hard one. So what I am hearing is it, it comes down to the because stiffness is not created equal just because of the the bends and the shapes of a shoe, just the way it works, and it's not like a, a shoe is just blanket stiff. So that's what he finds supposedly in some of these things. It's like it's not as though the stiffness of the shoe is exactly the same like under where the cleat is compared to where the heel is. It does sort of vary. And in that is kind of sometimes the difference between what makes a good carbon sole stiff shoe and a bad one. So just a blanket, how much can you crank it before it snaps, isn't as valuable. You also test the stack height, Mm. which is useful too if you've got really specific bike fitting problem you need lower stack height he's doing that too which is cool thanks for watching thanks for listening guys if you are on the podcast platforms make sure to please write a review and leave us a starred rating it's going to make a massive difference to what we're trying to do in the future guys thank you so much for watching we will see you real soon see you later What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.